Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This morning, we'll turn to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians today, chapter number four, chapter number four, and this is just kind of a springboard for me. It's not really uh, per se my text. My text is Genesis through Revelations. Uh, (laughs) It's not really my text. It's just a springboard. I'm going to continue talking about the word of the Lord this morning. I kind of started on that last week and uh, don't feel like I'm just quite done with it yet. And uh, I'm not purposely trying to get into a series on the word of the Lord. It's just the way that kind of things have went. But I want to talk about it just a little bit more today because of it being such a vital, important part of the life of a Christian, of the life of a Christian, of the life of a church, or at least should be. And so Ephesians chapter number 4, I'm going to read verse 8, and then I'll read verses 11 through 15 as well. And uh, the and I'm just skipping over a couple of verses there in my reading. So verse number eight, the Bible says, wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, down to verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so that's kind of our springboard today. Again, not necessarily my text. I'm going to be a lot of other places outside of Ephesians, but we will be talking about the word of God. Amen. This morning, one more time, we're going to pray that the Lord would help us in the next few moments. Father, I love you today. God, we're thankful, Lord, for your spirit that we have felt, Lord, in this song service. God, as your people have gathered together today, Lord, in worship, in song, I pray, God, that you would renew and help our minds afresh, Lord, as we look at your word. It is a living word i pray oh lord god help it god touch our individual lives in places and areas god that they need to be touched lord jesus and minister to god we glorify you lord we want you to be glorified god with what is spoken here today god will not fail to thank you jesus for it this morning in jesus name i pray amen amen everybody say amen amen Amen. you may be seated this morning in jesus name again last week we kind of highlighted uh of course, toward more so maybe the end or maybe all along, some of the benefits of the word of the Lord in our lives. We talked about 
how the word of the Lord is very similar to, uh, at least the analogy was drawn as it's almost like bread, spiritual bread to our, our spiritual man, our souls, and that it provides nourishment for us uh, by means, by thereby, the Bible says, thereby we grow. We grow by the word of the Lord. That's one of the, one of the ways or one of the venues by which we grow. We spoke just very plainly that if you ingest the word, that you will grow, and if you refuse the word, then your growth will be stunted or your growth will be slowed. You will maybe not grow at the pace that perhaps you could grow at if you were a regular uh, partaker or feeding upon the word of the Lord. And so outside of reading the scripture ourselves, which we encourage you to do, if you don't have a Bible, please talk to us. We'll try our best to get you one. Uh, but uh, if, uh, or in today's modern age, you can even get one digitally for free on your phone. But I know sometimes it's good just to hold something in your hand. But nonetheless, outside of reading the scripture and meditating on the scripture for yourself, which we absolutely endorse, the Word of God endorses, and you should do. Ephesians says that God gave gifts unto men after his resurrection. That's really what it's speaking of in verse number 8, talking about him ascending on high, having led captivity captive. It's speaking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And between verse number 8 and verse number 11, there's just a phrase there that's in parentheses. It's a parenthetical phrase, so that's the reason why I just skipped on over it. It's not that it's not important. It's just kind of giving us a little side note about his ascension and such. But if we go then directly from verse 8 to verse number 11, we, we see something. The last part of verse 8, the Bible says that Jesus gave gifts unto men. Then it continues in verse 11 saying, He gave some apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In essence, the gifts that the Lord gave unto men were these roles or these offices that he gave to the church. And he gave these gifts, and I know that might seem a little peculiar, but that's just the way that he describes it. He gave, the, gave these gifts as described to the church. He's, Paul was writing to the church at Ephesians at this time, and these gifts are the offices. And what's interesting about them, we know that there's, they differ in their office. An apostle from an evangelist and uh, a teacher from a pastor, they, they differ in all of their offices. But one thing that is similar, a line or thread of similarity in all five of these, is that these are people that serve in handling and sharing the word of the Lord. All five of these are people that, that handle and serve in sharing the word of the Lord in some fashion. Furthermore, these people or these offices, the Bible speaks of their purpose for the perfecting, all right, or the completing, the equipping of the saints. And so their role in these different capacities, their role in handling the word of the Lord, sharing the word of the Lord, is for the purpose of accomplishing some specific things. Some specific things. Whenever you look at verse number 13, it speaks to some of those things uh, that are very specific. They, these offices, or it, if you want to talk about what these people are handling, the word of the Lord, they promote unity. They, and they're handling the word, mind you, it promotes unity. It also promotes or they promote the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I mean, you want to learn more about God? 
Well, here is the textbook on God. This is the textbook on God. And so it promotes knowledge of Jesus Christ. It goes on and tells us then that it encourages then a wholeness or a completeness and it challenges us to be Christ-like. It challenges to be to, that we might unto a perfect man till we all come, verse 13, till we all come a little down unto a perfect man or a whole man, a complete man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of, of Christ Jesus. And so these people that are serving these offices, evangelist, apostle, pastor, whoever they are, handling the word of the Lord, it's for the purpose that you would become a complete man or a complete Christian, all right? and that you would be challenged to come to the fullness of that it's a long phrase but to the fullness of the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ it's challenging you to be like Christ the, the word of God challenges you to be like him we read, about, we read about his life, we read about his attributes we read about his characteristics and then oftentimes we have it telling us emulate that, be like that pattern your life like that you know, and so it's challenging us to be like him. And it dissuades us. Look at this in verse number 14. And this links a little bit with last week because we spoke about those that were babes or newborn babes that desired the sincere milk of the word of the Lord. And as you mature in the Lord, you, you desire the meat of God's word. And look, though, what the scripture and what these people in these offices are also doing, verse number 14, that we henceforth be no more children. In other words, the word of the Lord and these people are trying to dissuade us from remaining children. Remaining children. It, it's trying to promote that growth. And unlike children, we, we then perhaps will not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. That we won't be like that. You know, children have uh, an innocent belief system, right? It's like someone pulls something out of their sleeve, like, oh, it's a dollar bill, it was magic or whatever. And like, <gasps> you know, eyes are wide and they're like, you know, and they're checking their sleeves, you know what I'm saying? They have a very innocent, easy believism about them. But as, as, as we grow older, at least I think we do, I don't know, Tyler still might be checking his sleeves, but uh, as we grow older, amen, as we grow older, we understand that there's more than just what meets the eye, right? There's more than what meets the eye. And so all these previous mentioned offices, the word then prepares us as Christians to know the difference. What's just a, another doctrine blown the wind? What's genuine? What's truth? What's false? What's deception? Right? The word of the Lord prepares us. Uh, the old saying was years ago, and they probably don't do this anymore, but I remember the story. I know we've probably told it here at least a gazillion times. Uh, but whenever, you know, they, they used to have counterfeit money. We got bankers in here, counterfeit money that comes through, and I'm sure they've gotten a whole lot better at it today than what they were years ago. But they used to always say the more that you can acquaint yourself with what's genuine, the more you'll be able to notice what is counterfeit. And so uh, very easily uh, the word of the Lord is to help us d distinguish the difference. And the more we become acquainted with it, then the more that we'll know a doctrinal error, we'll know something that is a little bit shady and off to the left that is not true. But if you don't acquaint yourself with what is genuine, you're not going to know what's fake. You're not going to know what, what isn't truth, so to speak. And so we, we familiarize ourselves with the word. These offices that handle the word, the word itself is preparing us for that. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, 28, and some of these are references that won't be up there. Some will. But the Lord said this, and he that hath my word, let him speak my word 
faithfully. And that is the responsibility then of these gifts that God has given unto men. These offices that God has given to the men. These roles must handle the word of God. They must handle it faithfully. Faithfully. Whether it is the written word as we have today. Now in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Particularly in the Old Testament. Talking about having something that was actually written word or written scripture was scarce. Right? And even in the New Testament, there's a few scribes that might have a few written scrolls, but it's not like they can go to the Xerox machine or the printing press and, you know, have the, the Old Testament Torah. You know, they're, they're going to sit there and they're going to write it out. So it was very sacred. It was very precious. There was not a lot of written form of it like we have today. So there was a lot of the spoken word, a lot of rehearsing of the word that was spoken and given. And it didn't matter, though. Whether it's written word or whether it's spoken word, the people that are handling that word, we got to handle the word faithfully. Got to handle the word faithfully. Because the Lord didn't look too kindly throughout Scripture. He didn't look too kindly to someone that was misrepresenting his word. Right? Because this is his word. Have you ever had someone misrepresent what you said? How do you feel about that? I tell you what, it kind of crawls up my back neck and makes my hair stand out. <laughs> Amen. And so the Lord doesn't look too kindly. I'm serious, Sister Pat. It does. It just kind of causes things to churn in me that I didn't know was there. Uh, but nonetheless, the Lord didn't look too kindly upon people misrepresenting his word or saying something that he didn't say or maybe not in the way that he said it. The Apostle Paul, and I know that's what we typically denote him by, in New Testament Scripture, almost wrote two-thirds of the New Testament Scripture, the Apostle Paul wasn't just an apostle. When you read through the Scripture, he didn't serve just in that row. He also served as a teacher. He also served as an evangelist. Served as an evangelist. Paul planted a lot of churches. You've seen his missionary journeys, as, as we call them. He planted a lot of churches, different places, but we don't see where he'd ever just settled down at any one church for like years and years on time and was a pastor but he was an apostle a teacher and an evangelist and yet he said even to the church at Corinth speaking of himself that he constantly handled the word and he testified of not having done it deceitfully so as as these handlers of the word the word's got to be presented not only faithfully but it can't be it can't be presented deceitfully right can't be done deceitfully, as Paul said. And he served in three of these five rows that we're talking about this morning. Furthermore, Paul had a son in the gospel. Some call him his protege, uh, young Timothy, that Paul taught and instructed. But Timothy was a pastor. Timothy became the pastor at the church at Ephesus. And Paul, instructing Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, he urged Timothy. He said, Timothy, you gotta, you got to divide the word of the Lord rightly or you got to rightly divide the word uh the the uh, amplified bible classic version says it like this that you got to correctly analyze and accurately divide rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth the darby translation says it like this he told timothy you got to cut straight the word of truth you got to cut straight the word so I guess what I'm getting at this morning is this, uh, kind of basing off last week, the word of God is vitally important to our growth, but it is also a grand responsibility on those that are handling the word, teachers and preachers, that it's presented appropriately too, 
Uh huh. We don't want there to be a disconnect between what the Lord's intent was and how it lands home because of the one that's handling the word. Let me say this. If the word is ever contaminated, it's because it's passed through the hands of men. If ever, it's because it's passed through the hands of men. Amen. And so we want to rightly divide it. We want to skill, skillfully teach it. We want to cut straight the word of truth. And whenever Paul said to cut straight the word of truth or rightly divide, he's really, he's really leaning upon his own occupation in Scripture. Not only was Paul a preacher, but we understand with Aquila and Priscilla that there's sometimes that he involved himself in being a tent maker. They made tents, right? And in those days in the New Testament when they made tents, uh, it was kind of a patchwork of animal skins that were placed together. If you could think of it, it was almost like a quilt. Putting together a tent was almost like putting together a quilt. And this cutting straight edge that Paul's speaking about concerning the word, he's talking about in those days when they would have these patchwork of skins. He knew how important it was to get one edge of that skin to be straight and lined up with another edge of a skin so that they could sew those things together. He needed as perfect edge as possible abutted up against another edge so they would be fit together. Why? Because you don't want no gaps. You don't want no gaps in the skins of the tent. Not only that, if you had them lined up appropriately and there's a strong seam there, uh, the stronger the seam is going to be whenever they're more correctly lined up. And so he's saying as, as handlers of this word, we want to make sure we rightly divide it. We don't want there to be any gaps, if you will, in this. And we want it to be as strong as it is because it's lined up appropriately. Right? We, we don't want to misappropriate God's word, but we want to line it up appropriately and allow it to be strong. And so as pastor, uh, Timothy is getting this instruction. He's getting this guidance. And Timothy would have been under... Uh, his care and needed to understand to practice the word of the Lord. In other words, not only do you need to know how to teach this Timothy or minister this Timothy, but you also personally need to know how to practice the word of the Lord yourself, much like we do today, right? It's not just something to read. It is also something to apply. It's something that we practice. And so the word needs a seamless presentation, amen, to have the most impact upon us to have the most impact upon those that would believe according to the word of the Lord. And so the importance then of these offices is not just the people themselves, but more importantly, it's like, well, an evangelist, wow, yeah. What's important about these offices is that they all have a function of relaying the word. I'm not going to set a a pastor above a prophet or a prophet above an evangelist or a teacher above an apostle. They're all important because they're relaying the word, which we learned last week, which is instrumental then to salvation, instrumental to growth, instrumental to healing, deliverance, and the list goes on. That's the reason why those offices, and I say offices, are so important. It's because they are dealing with something, a commodity that impacts salvation, growth, healing, and deliverance. Amen. And sometimes we can get hung up on whom the word is coming from. Huh? Rather than what the word says. Right? Please don't mistake me for saying that the vessel, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, whoever, doesn't matter because it does. And I'm saying matter not in the sense of 
necessarily, well, that's a McGee or that's a carpenter or that's a whatever, you know, whatever the name is. It, it matters because the individual must be faithful to the word, as we've already seen, and not to be deceitful. They must rightly divide the word. So yes, it matters. Paul told Timothy again in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, a workman, everybody say a workman, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now there's a few things that, that, uh, that correspond to this not being ashamed part, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Number one, he said, a man studies to shew himself approved. So, Timothy, you study, you shouldn't be ashamed. Timothy, you rightly divide the word. You, you, have, you, you divide it appropriately. You got that straight edge, that straight cut, so you shouldn't be ashamed. But the phrase not to be ashamed comes from a word that describes the absence. This is the, correct defin- or the exact definition. The absence of a painful emotion caused by a consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety, which basically means misconduct. Misconduct. So, Timothy, you, you are a workman that needeth not be ashamed because you, you personally, there's, you, you've evaluated your life to the best of your ability to ward off any shortcomings or misconduct in your life. And so it's important, amen, that a workman need not be ashamed. But here's what I'm getting at concerning not hearing the word and getting caught up in who's speaking it. Sometimes we get caught up in personalities. You can get a spirit of cynicism sometimes and you'll miss the purity and the truthfulness of the spoken word because you having a hard time with the person. Well, that went down like a flock of dogs, didn't it? Amen. Amen. Have problem with the person. Amen. Personalities. Right? Um, the children of Israel in the Old Testament, the Bible says that they murmured against Moses and Aaron. And Moses and Aaron for the children of Israel were relayers of the word. They were relayers of the word. God would speak to them and then they would speak to the people what thus saith the word of the Lord. And in Exodus 16, Moses spoke in one matter, and he asked the nation of Israel, he says, what are we? Speaking of himself and Aaron, he says, what are we that you murmur against us? He said, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. What he was getting at is what we're, what we're telling you are the, the, the verbatim words of God, what God has spoke. He says, so you're not murmuring really against us. We're just like the mailman. We didn't make the mail. You know what I'm saying? It's like a you know, mailman comes and you got a bill. And there's your mortgage. It's $500. $500. And talking to the mailman, what's your deal? I'm just delivering the mail. I didn't make out the bill. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, here is Moses and Aaron. They're just relaying exactly what the Lord says. And some were murmuring against them as a result of it. And so sometimes uh, as people, we can take issue with an evangelist, a teacher, a pastor, when our real problem is what they're handling. The real issue is with what they're handling, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2, in verse 11, as ye know how we, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to a church at Thessalonica. 
He says, this is, we exhorted, we comforted, we charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Verse 13, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so Paul here is reflecting on how they interacted with the church there at Thessalonica. And he begins to recall, he says, if I recall, he said, we exhorted you and we did comfort you and we also charged you Amen. And that sounds a little bit like how Paul had told Timothy to preach, right? In 2 Timothy 4, he told him to preach the word. Uh, and Bishop brought this up uh, just in the, our Connect group and just a few weeks back. He said, preach the word, repu- reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So that sounds very similar. This, the same way that they had done at Thessalonica is the same way that he admonished Timothy, amen, to do at Ephesus, the exhorting, the comforting, the charging. And as our text had already said, which I said wasn't a text, but in Ephesians 4, as our text already said, these gifts and these offices ought to speak the truth in love, the Scripture said, with exhortation, that's there, with comfort, that's there, amen. And love, here's the thing, here's what we need to understand. Love's just not in the encouragement. Love's not just in the exhortation or the comfort. Love is in the charge. Love is in the correction. Love is in the rebuke, too. We have a hard time recognizing that sometimes, but note that Paul says they charged every one of them as a father. He brings in this father-son relationship. As a father doth his children. Now, sometimes, whenever I was growing up, my parents, my father, sometimes would give a general charge. All right? And I'm not saying like with a stick charge. No. He gave a general charge. He, he, he told us to do something, per se. He told us to do something. Just a general charge. And Sister Pat, the way that things would go, if I was just a numbskull, as I was, and didn't listen, the charge became a little bit more emphatic the second time it was given. And if I was a numbskull, and I was, and didn't follow the charge, sometimes the charge even took a different form and may even result in discipline. Paul says, we charge them as a father doth a son. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, sometimes God's word seems to almost be toward us as a father is toward a son. It charges us concerning certain things. And as a son, we really don't like what's charged. We don't really like what the word of the Lord tells us. But when we understand that this same book is for our good, for our growth, for our salvation, we understand it has no malintent. Uh huh. It's really looking out for us. Now look at this just a little further. Hebrews chapter number 12. If we go a little further with this father-son language, Hebrews 12, verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as, look at it, unto children. 
He says, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord or the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Verse 6, for whom the Lord, what does that word say? For whom the Lord loveth, he chastiseth and scourgeth every son whom he received. My father's a little bit more adamant charge and maybe what even turned into discipline, Sister Jen, was really the love of my father hoping that someday I will maybe grow into some adult that won't buck against authority figures. Huh? That might follow a path of rules and regulations that may be set in any institution. Right? He's really doing it because he loves me. He wants me to grow up and mature into a, a, a proper citizen. A proper citizen. And so there's some things that God's word, it, it, sometimes it feels like a little sandpaper right there, you know. But what, what his word is doing is what he's already told us in Ephesians 4. All of this is so that we will grow into the measure, the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we'll become more like him. That we'll grow into a Christ-like individual. Because guess what? He's still working on me. He's still working on me. And as I go back to this word each day, there's sometimes I read some things, you know what? It's a little hard for pastor to swallow. And I'm like, okay, put all the old tick box. There's the area I need to work on. Yeah, absolutely. But he's doing that because of love, not because of hate, not, not, not because he's just got a, a, a fight that he's wanting to pick. No, no, he's doing that out of love. That father and son language. God's love again, not just found in the encouragement and the exhortation and the comfort, but it's found in his chastening. It's found in his discipline. Huh? Stories have been told. I've read a lot of them before. Sometimes there's been sons and daughters that have went totally wayward. When I say that, I'm just talking about growing up. Got themselves in all kind of trouble and all this stuff. And some of their stories have been this. Mom and dad never raised a finger. Mom and dad never said anything. I just wish that they would have corrected me. I just wish that they had given me some limitations and boundaries and some... Huh? Because when we're left to ourselves, folks, whew, right? A river that's left to itself becomes, as Brother Malone stated a few weeks ago, it just becomes a stagnant pond. But you put some banks on it and give it some current and it's moving. It needs some boundaries. you, you got to have some, just become swampland without that. And so in Thessalonians, Paul told them they did well because when they heard the word of God spoken by him and others who were teachers and apostles and evangelists, look what he said back in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He said, whenever you heard them you received that word that they were handling you received that word that they were speaking you received it as the word of God right though it was being spoken by men you received it as the word of God rather than the word of men amen and so that's where sometimes confusion can come into play you can have a teacher a pastor evangelist whoever up here sharing from the word of God and all of a sudden something kind of hits just a little wrong it's like well who are they it's not they. You might as well say, who is God to say? And I'm not saying we're God, but we are handling the words of God. That's what we are sharing. By no means, I ain't going to claim Godhood by no means. I wouldn't want his position. <laughs> I wouldn't want his position. Amen. But it's when they share that, they're sharing the words of 
God. And so we aid ourselves as Christians, we aid ourselves as people greatly when we accept the word as his word and not the word of Bishop McGee and it's not the word of James Malone and it's not the word of, of James Mason, it's the word of God. Because if I can accept it as that, then my, the way that I approach it and interact with it might be a little different. If I understand it, it's not James Malone saying thus and so, it's the word of God, then maybe I'll have a different acceptance toward that if I go beyond the personality of James and understand it's the word. Amen. The Bible says, amen. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, look at this having received the word from these pastors and teachers and evangelists who's been given as gifts according to the word. I know it's peculiar. Then when that's given to us, here's the thing though, we become responsible participants then with the word. Once it's been shared, we become responsible participants with the word. Ephesians 3, 1, finally, brethren, pray for us, Paul tells them, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So here's Paul. He's speaking again. Apostle, he is. Teacher, evangelist, Paul is. And he basically asks the church at Thessalonica, he says, here's a prayer I want you to pray. And honestly, this is a prayer I often pray, especially around church time. Amen. He says, I want you to pray, God, let your word have recourse and be glorified. Let your word have free course and be glorified. The word having a free course comes from the idea, the word actually comes from the idea of racers. In the Olympics that raced and ran a race, they needed a course that was prepared for them without any hindrance. It's not like you're going to take the Olympic and say, we're all going to run through the woods and see who comes out first. No, they were going to have a prepared route that's been prepared ahead of time so that as much as hindrances as possible are going to be limited outside of their own selves, going to be limited for their path. That's what the, the, the scripture is speaking of when Paul is saying, let the word of God have free course, let it have a prepared path so that there's nothing that's just kind of out there that's hindering its course and its route into, its route into our lives. All obstructions from the path be removed. You say, that, that, how can that be? It can be. In the book of Acts, we read that before Paul ever went down to the river where a group of them was praying where Lydia was, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord had opened her heart. And then whenever Paul, whenever he showed up and began ministering the word, the Bible says that she believed upon what he had said, was baptized. What happened? The word of God had a free course. The word of God, when we pray, Lord, let your word have a free course, we're saying, you know, take away all of the little aversions that may be in people's minds and hearts so that whenever they hear the word, the word meets its target without any obstruction. That the word don't have to jump through hoops, try to validate itself and qualify itself, right, to have inroads in people's life, that it will have free course and that it will be glorified. 
All right? That it will be glorified. And that refers just to it being honored. It would be respected. It would be received. It would be highly esteemed. And so he says, pray that prayer that the word of God will have free course and it will be received. It'll have free course and it'll be, it will be respected. We need that in every service that we come together. That the word of the Lord would have free course in the lives of those that sit in the pew. That it would make its way into our lives and that we would receive it, respect it, honor it. See, that's where our participation comes into play. Amen. Uh, the evangelist comes and he preaches it, but then once it lands on our laps, we got to allow it to have free course, make way that there's free course and that it will be received and respected in our lives. And so when the word of the Lord is released and it begins a path in our lives, again, we want to avail it that path. And whenever we see where the word of the Lord is heading into our lives, we want to take the initiative to clear the way so it will have its way. I, we need to glorify the word. Glorifying the word goes beyond saying amen. Although that's, that's, that's great. Beyond saying glory and hallelujah, and that's great. Amen. Even more so, it, it's glorifying it with our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse number 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. All right? Again, our participation, our cooperation with the word. There's two groups that are presented here in Hebrews chapter number four and verse two in particular. These two groups are the us and the thems. That's the words, the us and the thems. The same gospel, the same word was preached to the us and to the them. Seed didn't change. Word didn't change. Same one, to the us and to them. But it says it did not profit them it only benefited us. Same word. Same word. And the reason it says that it did not benefit them and it only benefited us is because them, and this is bad grammar, them did not mix it with faith. They did not mix it with faith. They did not mix it with faith. See, what that kind of goes back to, here's our cooperation, kind of goes back to the book of James when James is talking to us about being not just hearers of the word of the Lord, but be endures as well in James chapter number one. He says, being a hearer of the word is a man looks into the word of the Lord almost like looking into a looking glass and he sees what, what sort of man that he is because as we read the word, the word kind of reflects where we are concerning the word. And he says, as you look in the looking glass or a mirror, it's like a man's looked at it, you know, and then he walks away and he forgets what measure of man he is. It's like if I got up this morning, Jen, and went into the mirror and seen my hair was wah, 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 which it was, saying, okay, I see what you're telling me, and just walk out the door and come to church with wah, 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 hair. Said, that's a hearer of the word. But a doer of the word, Sister Cox, is when he's went into the mirror and he sees and recognizes the wah, 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 and I grab myself a comb and some hairspray and get this beautiful head that you had standing before you this morning. That's a doer of the word. I've not only heard, but I've done something about what was made apparent to me in the hearing or in the recognizing of what was going on. And so that's our cooperation, right? I hear it as the pastor evangelist teacher is speaking it, but the doing, that's where I get on the seesaw. Huh? 
That's where I get on the seesaw to help balance things out. I become a doer of the word. So in, a, in Hebrews 4, he says, this has been the same word has went forth to the us group and the them group, but it did not benefit them because they did not mix it with faith, right? Because James also tells us in James chapter number 2, we talk about faith. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Faith without works is a dead faith. And I say it like this, faith without works is a non-existent faith. Huh? It's not like a, a different facet of faith if you don't have works. No, it don't exist. It's dead. Is dead. And so with that being the case, we must collab- We've got to collaborate with the word, become a doer. Mixed with faith means I'm going to, I'm going to respond, Right? There's going to be some type of obedience or something. I'm going to respond to the word. And when you do, it benefits us because it was mixed with faith. And so we can stand up here all day with language with our tongue hanging out of our mouth. We can read from Genesis Revelation and say, there you go. You've had the whole scope of God just spoken to you. But that isn't going to benefit you one iota if you do not cooperate with the word that you have heard, right? I mean, you can, you can read the Constitution. It don't make you law-abiding a citizen. Well, amen, right? Well, glory. That was almost fun. Israel was told in the Old Testament that there was a promised land that was theirs. That's what they were told. And that the secret to possessing everything that was theirs was hinged somewhat on what they did with God's word. His statutes, his commandments, his, his uh, precepts. I read this in the ESV this week. I'm reading through the English version, <clears throat> English standard version of the Bible this year. And so in Deuteronomy 4 and 1, this is how the, did we get the ESV version? You did. You guys are so great. Amen. Deuteronomy 4 and 1, this is the ESV version. And now, O Israel, listen, underline that in your mind, to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and, underline the next two words, do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. Moses is a gift to Israel. He is, in many regards, a teacher to Israel. And he is speaking and he's handling the words of God, though not in written form, in verbal form. He's handling the words of the Lord. And he tells them, this is basically it, and this is what I wrote down in the side of my Bible as I was reading it this week. He basically tells them, if you want to possess everything that God has for you, if you want to possess everything that God has for you, then listen to and do God's statutes and rules, which is basically God's word. That's necessary. He's basically telling them full possession. I'm saying full possession. I know some of us kind of got, you know, a little parcel of land over here. But full possession of everything that God has for you incorporates your cooperation, your obedience, right? You're saved because of God's grace and God's mercy. But you grow from there because you are obedient to what God likes because he first loved you and you're so overwhelmed by what he's done for you. You're like, God, whatever. 
because you love me at no, I mean, you, there was no like qualification and you loved me. Yeah, I'm, I'm Lord, whatever, whatever, because what I've experienced is great and wonderful. And if there's more of that, if there's more of that to explore, if there's more of that to possess, and all, all, all it means is just listening to you and obeying you, and you're so good to begin with, you can't be leading me long, wrong or astray. It's not like it's going to get, he's about ready, to, he's deceiving me, you know. He's going to take me to the edge of the cliff and cut me off and kick me. No, 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 no. That if we would follow the ways and the paths of the Lord, then he'll lead us into all that there is to possess. But it takes more than listening, it takes the doing as well. Furthermore, look what Moses said in verse number 40 of the same chapter. I don't know if I put that up at ESV for you or not. I hope I did, but if not, it's close. Uh, Deuteronomy 440. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Look at some of this other possession, other benefits of keeping the statutes and the commands. Look at this. It doesn't just benefit you. It benefits your children. It doesn't just benefit you. It benefits your children. And look what else it says. And that it may prolong your days in the land of the Lord. And say, oh, long life. Listen, we got the wrong idea if we're just thinking about longevity of life right here. That it may prolong your days in the land of the Lord. What are you talking about, the Lord? What are you talking about? I'll tell you what he's talking about. Because God, listen, the reason why Israel was ever taken from Jerusalem and Israel and put in Babylon, huh? And did those 70 years of captivity away, you know why? It's because they failed in doing the precepts, the laws, and the commandments of the Lord. He says, if you'll stay true to them, you'll stay where you're at. You, you can prolong your days of being in Israel, in the land of promise, as long as you, you, you continue in the things that you've been taught and the things that you've been heard, you can prolong your days there. But whenever you shy away from that, the very reason they went to Babylon was because they shied away from it. Right, The very reason why they were taken away from all of that to captivity was the very reason of it. So he says, you can prolong your days in the land. All right, you won't have to be on foreign soil. And all of this is whenever you just are cooperative with the word of the Lord, cooperative with what it's saying, with what it's teaching. Amen? And there are consequences. And I don't want to stay here very long, but it's upon me as the scripture and a minister of the word of the Lord to tell you that there are consequences to not accommodating God's word. When we do not allow it to have free course in our lives, when we refuse to glorify it or revere it or respect it or receive it, there are consequences. We don't like to talk about this, but I, I, if he said in Ezekiel, if I don't tell you, if I don't give the warning, the blood's on my hand, but if I do and you don't do it, then it's on your hand. So I don't want to have bloody hands. So, 1 Samuel 15, 23, there is an episode here of Saul, King Saul, and the Lord. The Lord had given him direct command, the word of the Lord. Again, not written form, but verbal form. When you go in against the Amalekites, you utterly destroy them, right? Man and beast, all of you utterly destroy this, take care of it. He didn't. He failed in his cooperation. 
He, he heard it, but he didn't participate in it. He would, by some people's standards, say that he partially did. But what we call partial obedience is full disobedience. Well, Lord, help me. So he didn't, and it was found out by Samuel of this indiscretion. And this is what the Scripture is coming to a head to here in 1 Samuel 15, verse 23. It says, and these are likenesses, analogies, the as, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Look what it was spoke to Saul. Because thou, the thou, the thou being referred to is Saul. Because thou has rejected the word. Thou has rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Now here's something interesting. Just walk with me a little bit here. And I'll close it up. Saul was rejected from being king the moment he rejected the word of the Lord. However, it took time for it to play out that he wasn't king. Sister Pat, he still functioned in the kingly role, although at the moment he rejected the word, he was rejected. He still functioned in the kingly role. As a matter of fact, eventually the spirit of the Lord left him, the scripture says, and it came upon David. And then an evil spirit came to torment Saul, all right? He was still king, though. Ultimately, he would die in the battle on Mount Gilboa, and he would be removed from the picture, and according to everybody's eyes, he died as king. Everybody else saw him as king. But he was already rejected as king by God before man ever picked up on it. Oh, God, that's a heavy thing for me. What that means is you can be a part of the parade <laughs> and you was never the band major <laughs> to begin with. Well, I know that's deep and that's strong. But I shared the verses last week with leadership before we came out here on a Sunday morning in Exodus, and I am closing, folks, just... I see the lights and the tarmac and everything. I shared the verses from Exodus 9 with our leadership in the back. The word of the Lord came through Moses. This is during the time of all the plagues of, of, of Egypt. And each time the Lord would speak to Moses, what the next plague, what's going to take place. He would speak that before Pharaoh and everybody. And the word of the Lord came to Moses about the plague of hell that would fall from the sky. And so Moses, he admonished the Egyptians. He said, gather in your cattle, gather in your servants that are in the field. Because if they're left there and the hell comes, they're going to die. All right? But if you bring them, then there will be safety. The Bible basically says this. Those that feared the word of the Lord or those that revered, those that glorified, the word of the Lord, guess what? They brought in their cattle and they brought in their servants into the house. And those that regarded not the word of the Lord left their cattle and left their servants in the field. Guess what happened? When the hell came, these big hailstones, it slaughtered all those that were left in the field and those that came into the house were okay. Those that rejected the word were impacted by it. But those that were obedient or revered the word, it did not even, you know, they, they were left unscathed. Amen. There's consequences, as I'm trying to, to, to relay, there's consequences of a rejected word. Proverbs 13, 13, I'm bringing her down, says, whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. That's quite frank. 
It says, whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. Psalms 119 and verse 158 says, says that transgressors keep not his word and this grieves God. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. So what are you proposing then today, Brother McGee? I'm proposing this. We need a revival of the word. We need a revival of the word. We, we need just like it was in King Josiah's day. He was just a young man around 26 years old. He, he sends Shaphan off and others to repair the house of the Lord because the house of the Lord was in disrepair. And as they were doing repair work around the house of the Lord, the Bible says the high priest Hilkiah, guess what? He found the word of the Lord. He found the law of Moses and he gave it to Shaphan and Shaphan went back to the king and he began to read it in the king's presence and the Bible says when the king heard what the law was saying guess what he cooperated he did something about it he started getting things in alignment amen he, he, he started making sure everything was according to the word of the Lord amen and he just had in his mind just because the generation before me didn't keep it doesn't mean I'm not going to keep it right he understood the benefits of the word of the Lord stand with me today and so the word will help make us like him if we allow it the latitude to do so Gifts to men, according to Ephesians, are handlers of the word. Were they prophet, evangelist, teacher? They share it. They did not offer it. They did not contrive it. They're just sharing what's there. And if we fail to cooperate with the word, we don't need to do that. We need to rediscover the glory of the word. We need to apply the word. Because here's the fact, it can help you and it can help future generations of you. And it can secure, help secure total possession of what God has for you. And so we need a revival of the word. I'm going to grow. I'm not just, but co-op, you got you, you got a sword in this fight. Amen. You got, it's more than just hearing it spill from my lips on a Sunday morning, Sunday night. And on a Wednesday in Bible study, you got a sword in this fight. What are you going to allow the word to do in you? How are you going to yoke up with the word? Uh, you got to field the plow. You're going to get in the yoke with the word and go for it. Yeah, yeah. Let's cut it straight. Let's do it appropriately. Let's bow our heads all across this place today. Hallelujah, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word today. Can we just begin to thank the Lord for his word? Amen. He's given us a, a manual to live by. He's given, us, he's given us a roadmap. The old song used to say, a roadmap to help etch our way and our path. Amen. To heaven. Amen. It's oft times been said, this, this, folks, this is an open book test. This is not like we're just trying to feel our way through. He's given us instruction. He's given us guidance. It's an open book test. Hallelujah. These are the words to live by, the words to die by. Hallelujah, Master. Maybe there's someone here this morning saying, Brother McGee, I, I, want, I want to pray in my life, Lord, let your word have free course in my life. Let your word have free course in my life. And God, help me, Lord, to glorify that word, meaning help me to receive that word. Help me, Lord, not to receive it as, as the words of Brother McGee, but as the words of God. Let me not to receive it as the words of any other teacher, per se, or any other evangelist in this place, but to receive it as the words of God. And know, God, whatever it is that comes across through your word, God, that with long-suffering and with love, you're speaking that. And sometimes it's going to encourage me, and other times it's going to challenge me. Sometimes it's going to uh, give me guidance, and other times it's, it's going to help me Lord, with my steps of where they really need to be placed. But it's all done through a spirit of love. It's, it's speaking the truth 
truth and love God it beats the alternative God I don't want to live on the consequence side of rejecting your word God to where I would be rejected God you've given this to me as a gift you've given this to me Lord is something Lord for my benefit for my instruction for my good help me Lord to interact with that help me God to cooperate with that that word of the Lord word of God speak in our heart today Hallelujah. Brother Mason, if we could just sing a song and dismissal today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.